Mockingbirds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store. Orleans Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By L.L. Bean. Inspiring you to get outdoors. LLBean.com. By Celestron. Offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron.com. By Birds and Beans Shade-Grown Bird-Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. And by Chimani. Visiting a national park? Let Chimani guide you. Chimani.com. Good morning. Welcome to our show number 593. Well, from time to time, there arise in the bird-watching world some disagreements about sightings and bird identification. One famous example fairly recently concerns the reported sighting of the long-lost ivory-billed woodpecker in Arkansas. Reported by highly respected birder Tim Gallagher and backed up by numerous experts, but soon challenged by other experts who said the bird was actually the rather common pileated woodpecker. And sometimes sound, rather than sight, is involved in questions about a bird's ID. This week, on Cape Cod, the sound of what was first described as a mystery owl was circulated on the Mass Bird Forum. Was it a saw-wet owl, maybe? Well, here's that sound, as recorded by Brian Delaney from the Cape Cod town of Orleans, home of Mike O'Connor's Birdwatcher's General Store. We've condensed the recording down to about 30 seconds. There's a lot of background noise, but if you listen carefully, you'll hear a mostly three-note call every few seconds, including right at the beginning here. Several folks weighed in on this with one stating rather unequivocally that it had to be a saw-wet owl. But when the dust had cleared and the experts who were familiar with the sound checked in, the recording turned out to have probably captured something very different. As indicated in recordings made by some folks who knew the identity of the sound's source, what was heard was not likely a saw-wet owl, nor any other kind of owl, nor in fact of any kind of bird at all. The sound was produced, suggests the experienced experts, by a fox. Probably a red fox. And by the way, a visit to our Facebook page after our show today will link you to more about this in a pretty entertaining video by some folks from SciShow on on YouTube. We just discovered that SciShow. They have some pretty cool stuff on there. SCI S-H-O-W. They're on YouTube. Worth checking out. Here's a little geography trivia question. What is the only U.S. state whose entire northern border is a river? Answer? Answer. Kentucky. Yeah, we mentioned that because Kentucky is our bonus state today. If you happen to be listening there, you get through at our shows, the first caller from Kentucky on our Mystery Bird Contest You'll win a special bonus prize. It's a signed copy of Mike O'Connor's amazing book, Why Do Bluebirds Hate Me? More answers to common and not-so-common questions about birds 
and burning. So if you're in Kentucky and you get to us first on the show this morning, you'll win that special prize in addition to the other prizes you might also win on our Mystery Bird Contest. So if you're out there, get ready to call Bluegrass Staters. Extra, extra, read all about it. Some of the stories and videos on our Facebook page this week. Did you miss it? September 17th was World Cassowary Day. And we have a link to some fascinating facts about that big scary bird and some of its flightless friends, or relatives at least, like ostriches and emus and kiwis. Bird is the word. Five experts will debate the question of which species should be declared Canada's national bird. We'll link you to the details. And dodging crossfire, predators, and climate change, migratory species are now getting help from the world's first blood bank for birds. Some of the stories we have for you on our Talking Birds Facebook page. Right now, you can also find those stories through an online search if you're not a Facebook follower. Well, the topic of one of our Talking Birds blogs this week is the conservation of food. Do we really throw away two-thirds of the food that's produced? And we have a second blog this week, one that you can listen to. It's a brief interview with park ranger Ron Brown, conducted by our own Debbie Bleacher, recorded during our recent visit to Grand Canyon National Park. Two blogs this week, both easily found at TalkingBirds.com. Now let's get some info from our Charlotte Wesselick on a great way to learn more about birds, plus a hawk-watching opportunity for young birders in New Hampshire. It's Charlotte's weblog, sponsored by L.L. Bean, inspiring you to get outdoors. LLBean.com Charlotte. Good morning, Ray. Exciting news for those who've been waiting for the new edition of the Cornell Lab of Ornithology's Handbook of Bird Biology. The third edition is now available for purchase on their website. I finished the course earlier this spring and it's a fantastic resource if you want to take that extra step to learn more in depth about birds. Join the New Hampshire Young Birders Club for Hawk Watching on Saturday, October 1st at the Carter Hill Orchard. There is the chance to see as many as 13 species of migrating birds of prey. Visit nhyoungbirders.org to get all the details about the event. Many of the leaves have fallen off the trees in our area, but there are still lots of birds moving through. American pipits, lesser scops, snow geese, and American tree sparrows are just some of the species I've been seeing lately. That's all for this week, Ray. I'll talk to you next time. Thank you, Charlotte. Talking Birds listeners, be sure to check out Charlotte's always interesting, fascinating, and informative blog. Find it at prairiebirder.com. That's prairiebirder.com. Still to come on our show today, we'll get hosed by the Birdwatchers General Store's Mike O'Connor. A characterization there that certainly demands an explanation, and we'll provide one shortly. We'll also talk about what it's like to go on a birding tour to far-flung destinations around the world when we welcome Sunrise Birding's Gina Nickel to the program this morning. And ahead next, a bird that we saw in Michigan's eastern upper peninsula last week. A bird that, if you were near a freshwater pond just about anywhere last week, you probably saw too. 
is today's Talking Birds featured feathered friend. Talking Birds is made possible by Celestron, a leading optics company offering binoculars and spotting scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron is dedicated to education and bird conservation and proudly supports many nonprofit organizations that share the same commitment. Celestron says, We care about birds and nature in our backyard as well as yours. Enhance your view with Celestron. Visit Celestron.com and discover more. Well, it's easy to find professional sports teams named after birds. From the Blue Jays to the Cardinals, from the Falcons to the Eagles, from the Penguins to the Thrashers. But to find a team named for today's featured feathered friend, we had to settle for a college-level squad from the Northwoods League, the Madison Mallards. first thing most birders say when they see this species is, it's only a, as in, it's only a mallard. As with other common beauties like the American robin and the blue jay, this bird's success may have led us to underappreciate its considerable pulchritude. Imagine the reaction we might have if we were to see this spectacular iridescent green, chestnut, gray, and tan male of this species for the first time. The plain brown female mallard is often confused with the similar, though darker, American black duck. And probably the easiest way to separate them is by the bill. The mallard's is orange with a dark center, while the black duck's is a dark olive color. The wild mallard, which is the ancestor of most domesticated ducks, summers as far north as northern Alaska and many individuals spend the winter in the southern U.S. and even south of the border, where a population that used to be considered a separate species can be found, the Mexican mallard, which lacks the beautiful colors of its male northern cousin. By the way, if you see a flock of mallards, you can impress your friends by saying that you've observed a sword of mallards. That's right, a group of mallards is collectively known as a sword. S-O-R-D. It apparently derives from a Latin word meaning to rise. You might avoid telling your friends that last part, lest they begin wandering away from you, muttering bird nerd under their breath. Anas platyrinkos, the mallard. Today's Talking Birds featured feathered friend. Talking Birds is sponsored in part by Chimani, providing free outdoor mobile app travel guides to plan and navigate your journey to more than 400 national parks, monuments, and historic sites. From Acadia to Zion, go to Chimani.com, that's C-H-I-M-A-N-I.com, to download your free app today. Sunrise Birding is a company that offers small group bird watching tours and wildlife safaris all over the world to Chile. For example, for penguins and pumas in Patagonia, condors too, then to Namibia, Botswana and Victoria Falls, and here in the States to Bosque del Apache in New Mexico, and that's just in the last quarter of this year. On the phone with us right now to tell about it is our tour leader, naturalist, and Sunrise Birding founder, Gina Nickel. Good morning, Gina. Good morning, Ray. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, it's wonderful to have you on with us. Gina, who goes on tours such as the ones you provide? Is it hardcore birders and adventurers, or are they appropriate for us regular folks? Well, I think, Ray, it's regular folks that are interested in nature and the outdoors, and particularly birds. 
so we really have a variety of tours that we offer, and there's usually something for everyone. Mm-hmm. I'd thought to ask how you choose your destinations. When I look at the list, it seems you go everywhere, though, so uh, maybe it's <laughs> easier to decide uh, what not to choose. But how do you how do you figure out, decide where to go? Well, Ray, we listen to our clients and what they're asking for, places where they really want to go. Um, and then we investigate, and sometimes we go and scout these locations and come back with a design for a tour that would take in the best of what they have to offer. Mm-hmm. Well, all these destinations are pretty amazing, but there must be some that become perennial favorites, right? There are. Uh, I was thinking about that as I was getting ready to talk to you today, Ray. Um, we love the Pantanal in Brazil. Uh, we try and go there every year. It's a wonderful location. Uh, we love the Galapagos, which is a once-in-a-lifetime destination. Uh, Jamaica offers 29 endemics, which are species that are found nowhere else in the world. So there are some favorites, um, and we're always trying new places as well, depending on what people want. Wow, I've been to Jamaica. We're going to go to the Galapagos, the Pantanal. I don't know really much about I wonder if most people do. What can you tell us about it? Yeah, the Pantanal is the world's largest wetland, and it's in the heart of South America. Um, and you get there by going to Brazil, um, and you get the, you can see things like jaguar, hyacinth macaw, toco toucan, and it's like being on an American safari versus an African safari. You go down an open road called the Transpantanera Highway, and you're watching things along the road as you travel, and it's Hmm. really a spectacular place for both birds and wildlife. Wow. Well, for someone who's never gone on a birding tour, how would you characterize the the experience? I know, as you're just describing right there, uh, there are many differences uh, on the particular destinations, but is there a way to describe the experience in general? Sure. Well, you know, it's a tour with a set itinerary, and our purpose is to uh, see and learn about the birds and animals along the way. Um, Since bird life is at its peak usually in the morning, we have morning and afternoon excursions and sometimes a rest during the day. Uh, But we're really looking in the various habitats and trying to find the special species that live there and so that is our main focus mm-hmm. so for 2017 i see you have norway guyana jamaica new zealand costa rica and maybe uh well not maybe but cuba as well what's the status of cuba in terms of visitation at this point well cuba uh, i had the pleasure of traveling to cuba this year to check it out and it's slowly opening up to American tourists. It's not quite open yet. You still need to travel with a licensed company in order to visit there, but it has uh, 29 species of birds that you can't see anywhere else in the world. Mm -hmm. So it's a wonderful birding spot, as well as the culture, um, the people, the food, uh, the music. It's just a fantastic Mm -hmm. destination. And doing it as a birding tour is really fun because it gets you to some of the less traveled areas. Well, I'm looking forward to traveling with Sunrise Birding next September to one of the most exciting and intriguing destinations on the planet for just about anybody with an interest in wildlife, one we mentioned a a moment ago, and that, of course, is the Galapagos Archipelago.
Tell us a little bit about that. Of course, we know the history with Charles Darwin's visit there in 1935, the subsequent publication of his On the Origin of Species, considered to represent the foundation, I think, of evolutionary biology. Beyond all of that, what makes it such a remarkable place? Well, the Galapagos is truly a remarkable destination. It's a group of islands out in the Pacific Ocean, and uh, because they are islands, they've been isolated from the mainland, so there are a lot of very unique species there. For example, there is a penguin uh, that's called the Galapagos penguin that's only found on those islands. Now, most penguins are down in Antarctica, but this one lives at the equator. Uh, there are the giant tortoises, which are famous. There are all sorts of seabirds, like blue-footed boobies and red-footed boobies. Um, and each of the islands offers something a little bit different. So the way that you see the Galapagos Islands is by ship, small ship, and you travel from island to island and do daily excursions walking on the islands or using a zodiac to cruise around the islands uh, to take in the, you know, the famous wild residents and some of the ones you may not know much about. Mm-hmm. One of the places we're going to visit, I believe, is Tower or Genoveza Island, a place not all visitors see when they go to the Galapagos, right? That's right. I chose the northern western route of the Galapagos. There are two routes that you can do when you visit there, and I chose that because it includes Tower Island, and Tower Island has nesting red-footed boobies, and as well as blue-footed boobies, there are the Galapagos species of short-eared owl there. It's just a very unique one of the islands and sort of set away from the rest of the archipelago. So I wanted to make sure that was included on our itinerary so we, we could experience those species as well as all of the others that we'll visit mm-hmm. on our route. Wow, pretty exciting. Tour leader and naturalist and founder of Sunrise Birding, Gina Nickel. Gina, thank you, uh, and good luck on your next trip there that you're taking to Chile. Chile, yes, another <laughs> wonderful country in South America. Thank you, Gina. Sunrise thank you, Birding, Ray. com is the website there, and if you're interested in that Galapagos trip, wow, that's going to be amazing. Just go to sunrisebirding.com and scroll down until you see Galapagos Wildlife Cruise. Up next here is our Mystery Bird Contest in just one minute. The Amazon's rainforest is being cut down so fast that by 2030, 55% of it could be completely wiped out. The Earth's forests can't speak up when they need help, but we can. Be the voice for those who have no voice. Visit worldwildlife.org. If we continue to consume our natural resources at the rate we do now, by 2050, it could take three Earths to meet our needs. The Earth can't speak up when it needs help, but we can. Be the voice for those who have no voice. Visit worldwildlife.org. I don't recycle. I mean, we can just find another planet for your kids to live on, you know? Noted non-recycler Tommy Crenshaw talks about the future. Oh, I can totally see finding another planet that can support life when ours fills up with trash. Log on to yougottobekidding.org and learn about all the ways you can recycle. Unless you're into lame excuses like Tommy's. Hey, recycling's just not my thing. Starting over on a new planet? Now that's exciting. Don't be that guy. Unless you want people looking at you funny. Log on to yougottobekidding.org. Talking Birds is made possible by the Cornell Lab of Ornithology, a world leader in the study, appreciation, and conservation of birds. Please check them out at birds.cornell.edu. We have a bonus state today. It's Kentucky. If you get through to our show as the first caller from Kentucky on our contest, you win that special bonus prize, a signed copy of Mike O'Connor's amazing book, 
Why do bluebirds hate me? More answers to common and not so common questions about birds and birding. Of course, if you identify our bird correctly and are first to do that, you'll also win that beautiful droll Yankees feeder that I'm about to describe. So good luck, bluegrass staters. By the way, if you're not hearing our Sunday morning show live, you can always do so online. Just go to TalkinBirds.com to see how to do it. It's really easy. Our prize is the Droll Yankees' new window mount songbird feeder. It attaches securely to your window with three strong suction cups. features a unique songbird and blueberries design motif positioned below the dish to ensure a clear view of the birds. That's our prize. The number to call, 781-837-4900. 781-837-4900. Here's the sound of our mystery bird. I'm going to play the whole thing here because you'll see it's worth listening to. Was I right or what? He's flying away there. Our mystery bird, a medium to large chicken-like resident of open prairies and parklands with spotted brown and white plumage, a short pointed tail that's white at the base and rather long and rounded wings as seen in flight. Our bird forages on the ground in summer and in trees in winter, eating seeds, buds, berries, leaves, as well as insects, especially grasshoppers in summer. It's a lecking bird. In breeding season, multiple males display at a group display site known as a lek. What is it? Tell us or take a guess because no correct answer means a drawing will determine our winner. The number is 781-837-4900. 781-837-4900. Uh, meanwhile, we're going to check in with Mike O'Connor. Let's ask Mike live in just one minute. More than 100 million wild animals are killed each year illegally. Poaching is just one of the risks animals face at our hands. I'm Tom Barry. I'm an actor. I grew up in the beautiful rural countryside of Ohio, where animals roamed freely in the open forests. I have a deep concern to help preserve those open spaces for our wildlife friends so they can live and thrive like they used to. Destruction of their habitats threaten their very existence. The best way to protect wildlife is to protect the land where they live. The Humane Society Wildlife Land Trust works with private landowners to protect wildlife, to preserve natural habitats, and establish permanent sanctuaries. To learn more or to work with the Humane Society Wildlife Land Trust, call 800-729-SAVE. That's 800-729-SAVE. Or visit wildlifelandtrust.org. Thank you. And now it's time to open the Talking Birds Spigot of Wisdom as we welcome the Sage of Cape Cod, Mr. Mike O'Connor from the legendary Birdwatchers General Store, Orleans, Massachusetts. Good morning, Mike. What's the music? <laughs> oh, the music. Can we have the music? Oh. <laughs> what just... kind of outfit is this? You're I say, uh, we gotta, who, who's in charge of this stuff anyway? I'm going to find <laughs> out. Boy, heads will roll up, believe me. Well, don't worry about it. Here in New Orleans, apparently, we can't tell an owl from a fox, so I guess we can't. <laughs> right, yeah, that was quite a story, that was wasn't crazy, it? crazy, yeah. You know, I know both of those creatures, and it didn't sound like either one, so I, that, that is a mystery. Yeah, well, you better get out there with your with your recorder and <laughs> see if you can straighten this all out. Well, Mike, you know, there was a good reason for that little faucet metaphor there, because we're talking about bird baths and garden hoses and why the two don't make a good match. What's it all about? Yeah, it's interesting. I was... 
the other day I was, um, I was buying a hose for the store because we, we have plants tonight. We have several bird baths we filled, and I was ready to purchase it. And right on them, it says not a potable water, not for drinking. Mm. And it, it made me wonder what what everybody drinks from the garden hose, right? I mean, when you were kids, that's you know we couldn't. We weren't tall enough to reach the faucet. We wouldn't so. have made it to age 14 without drinking out of the garden hose. <laughs> drinking from those hose. <laughs> and so I looked into it, and yeah, it's, it's most standard garden hoses are really not very good. They're not regulated by the EPA or the Safe Water Act, and they, they're often filled with lead and PBA and PVC. And um, it, it's, it's such a problem that even organic farmers are concerned because they even just spraying the water on their vegetables or getting into their soil they're not excited about. And mm. so I, I started thinking, geez, we can't be putting that in the birdbath because remember, whatever goes in us, a tiny chickadee is multiplied way more wow. by their, their small size. And, and so I, I started thinking about that, and they, they said, well, you can let the water run before you fill the birdbath, mm-hmm. which is okay, but then the water still runs off into a puddle somewhere where pets can drink it mm. or the other birds, you know, sparrows and ground birds can drink it. So the really the alternative mm-hmm. is obviously get a, a different hose, and those are available. You know, you readily can get those that are, uh, that are, that are safe for drinking water. Camping stores and all those places have them, or you can look, and, and you can look for those. They're available. So they'll uh, have, la- will they have a label on it or some sort that says, yes, you know, they, safe? they seem to yeah. do. Um, yeah. I immediately, like everybody else, just looked online, and there, there's a whole array of them available. Maybe so you could ask your garden shop or something if you can get one of those if they don't have it on the shelf. Mm-hmm. But they, they, they do kind of brag about it, lead-free and PVA-free and all that. In, in the meantime, when you go to fill your bath, just, you know, take some tap water. You know, get your little uh, pitcher of, with that has a smiley face like you used from the Kool-Aid and, and fill that and then yeah. walk, and walk out and fill it instead of using using a hose. Yeah, because you don't need a whole lot of water to fill up your uh, bird bath there. No, you don't. No, no, just yeah. Kool-Aid them out. Hey, I guess we're glad we got that music back anyway. Oh, there it is. Right. I mean, they got to go. Hey, Mike, thanks for telling us about that. That's kind of important, and we'll talk to you again next week. Thanks a lot, Ray. All right. Bye-bye. Mike O'Connor down there at the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. We're back at the Mystery Bird Contest trying to identify this mystery bird here. I don't know if we'll play this whole thing again this time, but it's a, <laughs> a pretty interesting bird. A medium to large chicken-like resident of open prairies and parkland, spotted brown and white plumage, a short pointed tail that's white at the base, rather long and rounded wings as seen in flight. I forgot to mention, we saw this bird last week up there in the eastern upper peninsula of Michigan. Thanks to some wonderful bird experts that were with us, we saw uh, not only this bird, but we also saw two relatives of this bird. I guess I can't say what they are because that would sort of maybe maybe give it away. But after the after we figure this out, I'll, I'll do that. I think we have uh, Floyd in Quincy, Massachusetts, just up the road. Good morning, Floyd. Good morning. How are you? I'm well. How are you doing, Floyd? I'm pretty good. All right. Mystery bird, Floyd, what do you say? Ruffled grouse. Say that again. Ruffled grouse? Ruffled grouse. Ruffle or ruffled, uh, ruffled or ruffed grouse? Uh, that is really a top-quality guess, Floyd. I can say that. Um, but Thank I'll you. tell you what, if nobody comes closer to that, you could you would be our winner, so keep listening. All right, I will. All right. 781-837. Thank you, Floyd. 781-837-4900. Uh, is the number to call, and we have, uh, I guess we have Bill. We have uh, Bill down there in Oriental, North Carolina. Good morning, Bill. Good morning. What do you say, Bill? 
On the old mystery. I have a sharper guess. A sharper a guess. Sharp tail grouse. I get it. A sharper guess. A sharp tail grouse. <laughs> Absolutely correct. Yeah. Sharp tail grouse is we just caught a kind of a fleeting glimpse of this. We were trudging through some prairie pothole fields and uh, flushed one of these birds. But we also got good looks at spruce grouse and rough grouse, so that was kind of cool. But uh, our audience is especially enthusiastic this morning. But hey, nice job, Bill. And if you're Thank st- you. Okay, you're welcome. And if you'll stay on the line, we will uh, get your uh, address and we will send you that beautiful Droll Yankees feeder. Thank you. All right, you're welcome. Uh, yeah, the sharp-tailed grouse. I read that Native Americans called this the firebird, because of its reliance on brush fires to keep its habitat open. It's kind of interesting, too, because there's a very rare warbler, the Kirtland's warbler, which now breeds in parts of the eastern upper peninsula of Michigan. And that's a bird that absolutely depends on fire to burn up those jack pines. And I guess the seeds pop out and they return and nest, and it has to be a regular process. So there is some progress being made for the Kirtland's warbler, which was... Uh, one of those birds that was pretty close to being wiped out. And we are wiped out of time here this morning. That is it. Our show is all done here for this morning. Hope you'll join us next week. Executive producer of Talking Birds, Mark Duffield. Associate producer, Debbie Bleacher. Our engineer, Jesse Wilkins, is not here today, but he'll be here next week. Our engineer is Tim McKenney. I'm Ray Brown. See you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store. Orleans Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By L.L. Bean. Inspiring you to get outdoors. LLBean.com. By Celestron. Offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron.com. By Birds and Beans Shade-Grown Bird-Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. And by Chimani. Visiting a national park? Let Chimani guide you. Chimani.com.